The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. I want to uh, speak about uh, the seven pictures of, of a disciple that's given to us in the book of Timothy, to Timothy. Um, um, I only speak about five this morning because it's going to be get rather long, and my wife warned me not to speak too long because some of you fall asleep and so on, and uh, that gets embarrassing for me. So uh, I'm going to try and keep it down. <laughs> but normally I preach so long you pick up again when you wake up. You know, it's like... <laughs> so. So Paul um, is speaking in uh, metaphors or in pictures about what a disciple looks like. Uh, John MacArthur says that it's a picture of, of a leader, of how a leader should be in the church and how he should function in the church. Um, Herb Hodges uh, says that it's a picture of of a disciple maker. Paul was a disciple maker and Timothy was his chief disciple. And Paul was writing to encourage him uh, in his pastoral role um, and he wanted to use language that he could understand easily. Do you mean sometimes, um, and for me this particular chapter is full of application. It's like the theology is almost like hidden in the application or it's exposed in the application uh, in, this, uh, in this chapter. And we know that Jesus used many metaphors. He said, I'm the bread of life. And it was given to us to understand how he would uh, be fulfilling, how fulfilling he would be in eternal life. So it was about the fulfillment so it's a symbol. Um, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know what I mean? He was using things that was easy for us to understand. Things that the common people in his day, these things were there all the time. Grape juice was pretty common uh, in Palestine in that time and so on. But Paul comes and he uh, begins to speak to us. And the first thing that he, he speaks about which I really love, and it speaks about the relationship of discipleship that we should have with someone. And I want to say it's a possibility for most people if you will apply yourself. I didn't automatically begin discipling leaders um, because it was a good idea. It was... I found to be a command. We all know the Great Commission passage at the end of Matthew, uh, in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And disciples is not a convert. It, it has a totally different insight and application when we make disciples. Because when we make disciples... They are to be a learner and a follower. Now in John, 
John 6, um, Jesus was talking about drink, drinking his blood and eating his flesh. And many turned away because it was a hard saying. Are you with me? And, but he calls them disciples. In the chapter, in John 6, they are called disciples. So a disciple is somebody that follows and learns from someone. Ne? Okay, so you can learn and follow someone for a certain period. And when they say something you don't like, I'm off. That's it. I don't want to hear this anymore. It's too tough. It's too hard for me. This is, and most of the churches are like that. They want a gospel of blessing. They want a gospel of prosperity. But they don't want to take the hardship that comes as a follower of Christ. It's not easy always to be a follower of Christ. As Lucas was praying this morning, there's people laying down their lives for the gospel. I mean, we have it easy and we need to thank God for that. So when we do face trials and when we do face hardships as a disciple in this country, be grateful. Because it's not that hard. We're not facing the challenges that other people face and who are struggling. So, be encouraged. Anyway, let me read from the scripture and then I will continue. But, but Paul writes to Timothy and he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And that he may please that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And so, I'll stop reading there. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would give us understanding. As Paul was speaking to Timothy, this was a prayer for Timothy that he prayed for him that the Lord, that you, Father, would give him understanding in all of these things that Paul was talking to him about to encourage him to persevere um, in the ministry. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, you would also encourage us uh, to persevere in, in, in our lives and uh, in the different callings that you have given us, Lord. And so we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Uh, Paul starts with a very encouraging word. He says, You therefore, my son. 
Paul had met Timothy and his grandmother Lewis and his mother had discipled Timothy in the Old Testament scriptures. So there was a strong grounding in his life and then Paul came uh, upon him, uh, met him and he led him to the Lord and he began to disciple him and he became one of uh, Paul's uh, principal disciples. And he would give him instructions like, therefore, uh, fulfill all things and, and uh, appoint elders uh, in every church. So he, was, he had discipled him to a point where he could take on real responsibility. And that's, the, that's one of the things that we need to realize. The reason why we come to church is that it's part of being discipled. When Paul speaks to the uh, Corinthians, he says to them, um, I have been a father to you. He's talking to the church. He's now not talking to an individual. So he had been building into the life of the Corinthians. And so even from the pulpit, we need to see it as God's method of building into our lives so that we can become useful in the kingdom of God. And that takes application on our part, as we will see in the scriptures that we are about to explain. But Paul starts very relationally. And that's the whole crux of Christianity, is that it's a relationship that we have with one another. It's a family. Paul was um, assuring Timothy, that he cared for him, that he loved him, and that he wanted him to do well in the ministry that God had called him. And, he, and because he was a father to Timothy, Timothy was secure. And I think one of the things that you will notice in one single parent families, or in families where there's a lot of strife, many of the children are insecure. Because they don't have the, the guidance of the father in the home and they don't have the relationship that they can look up to that will make them feel secure. So family, as Lucas has been talking about, is very important. Um, and so it is spiritually. Because we're a family. We're the household of God, right? And so we need to make people understand that we care for one another, that we care for them, and those that we disciple must know that we are committed to them. Because if you're not feeling secure in your relationship with someone, it's very hard to receive a command. Now, I want you to know, Paul, whenever you read through the book of Timothy, he says, command. Command, command. There's no advice that Paul is giving anybody. There's no advice. It's a command. Do this. Are you with me? So God's word is full of commands. It's not whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's because God has spoken. Are you with me? Search the scriptures and tell me if I'm wrong. You know? 
Like some people have an overemphasis on daddy. Daddy God. Well, he sure is. But he is also a benevolent dictator. <laughs> He's the best dictator in the world. Because he knows best. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's no place that God isn't. He knows everything. Everything about your life and all of us simultaneously. So there's nothing hidden from God. So, but Paul assures Timothy in this whole area of relationship. Be strong in the grace. Now this grace that Paul is talking about doesn't come from something that Timothy works up. It comes from, it's an external grace. Because it comes from God. It's God's grace to us so that we can be strong. Are you with me in this? And in faith we need to accept that and to receive that. So Paul is saying be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So for all of the things that God requires of us, the lifestyle that he calls us to, he gives us the grace to persevere and to endure. Are you with me? It's my favorite saying, are you with me? <laughs> anyway, so we need to assure people of our relationship with them that we care for them, right? That's important. Um, and I've learned that through experience is that people will listen to you more easily when they know that you're committed to them and when you love them when, when you just try and tell them what to do are you with me? and just because we're uh, pastors or leaders or disciple makers the authority comes out of your love for people are you with me? And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about Lucas is that he is constantly trying to pull us together as a family, right? Always getting together for this bri and that bri, any excuse to cook meat and it's all good, Lucas, keep it up. <laughs> you know? Anyway, so we must be assured and God the Father wants us to be assured of that relationship just like Paul was committed to Timothy God is committed to you as his child. Amen. Always remember that. That's so important. And then, you know, being strong in the grace, and then he says, and the things that you have heard from me. So I think this is the, um, the crux of the matter here, is that God wants us to be able to communicate according to your gift and according to your ability. Not everybody has the same faith and not everybody has the same gift but according to your ability. Share with other people. Teach other people what you know. Why, why, why would that be good for you? Because when you do that, you begin to grow. You begin to make an impact. Because you follow your confession. 
often. Are you with me? And that's especially true if you're serious about your walk with the Lord. You will follow your confession. If you're telling people about Jesus. But God wants us. And Paul says, what you have heard from me among many witnesses. So Paul, whatever Paul did was not done in secret. It was done openly so that people could see his life. And that's the secret of a strong Christian testimony is that you have a transparent life and that people can see you and that they can follow you because you can't follow what you can't see. That's why Paul says, in, teach others the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. So his life was an open book. Do you mean it wasn't hidden? It was open to others. And he says, commit these to faithful men. And that's the crux that this whole thing is so important for us to understand. Um, we need to be faithful as, as Christians. God wants us to be faithful with the truth. God wants us to be faithful in sharing the gospel. I always tell people God is looking for fat people. He loves fat people. <laughs> Faithful, available and teachable people. Amen. So be fat as you like in that area. Because God looks for faithful, available and teachable people. Amen. So God wants, that's sort of like the goal, is that we, that others, that, well, the goal of discipleship is maturity and multiplication. So, one of the things that we should work towards is that our lives will multiply into the lives of other people. Never think you're not good enough. I mean, I'm uneducated as they come. I mean, but I've ministered to doctors. I've ministered to engineers. And they all sit there with their mouths open. And I'm going, how is this possible? Well, it's only possible because of him. And faithfulness. And wanting to please him. And wanting to glorify him. And getting to know His Word. It's got to become workable in your life. So we need to spend some time in the Word. And I know, we're all busy. But, but let's get to that place where we can teach what we know. Because that's what every pastor hungers for. Is that his congregation will master what he says and use it to tell other people. Are you with me? So there's no call. Okay, let me call the pastor. It's like... I mean, so often a sermon on Sunday is like a man who looks in the mirror and forget what he looks like. Are you with me? And that's what, what James was talking about. 
He says we hear the truth, we look at the truth, and we see it. And then when we kind of like move out of that situation, it's like gone. Anyway, let's continue. He says, you therefore must endure hardship. I mean, when tough times come, we need to endure it. And tough times will come. It will come in the family. It will come in the church. It will come at work. It will come everywhere. Endure it. But not just enduring it because some people can endure it and it doesn't benefit them. Now when a soldier endures hardship he has a goal and that goal is to win the battle. Is to defeat the enemy. Is to win. Isn't that true? And so we need to be have that attitude in us that a soldier has. That's why Paul talks about the soldiers, uh, about soldiers. And the people in Palestine would have known all about, or oh, even in that whole area where Paul ministered, the Romans were there and they had defeated everybody. Their goal was to win. And so people would have understood this language because it was simple. And the thing about a soldier, I was a soldier, not for long, but I was a soldier. And the one thing I realized being a soldier, there was a lot of discipline involved. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I did what they wanted me to do. So when they wanted me to be deployed, I was deployed. When they gave me time off, I had time off. If I was on time off, and normally you get like 10 days off for a week, then they call me after two days. I don't say, no, 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 time off. It's okay. Where are we going? Do you understand the kind of like discipline? And the thing is, a, a soldier is useless in battle if he doesn't master his weapons. If he doesn't know how to use his weapons, what does he do? What do you mean? Does he walk up there with a stick? Say, I'm going to beat you. No, he gets to, in those days it would have been how to use the shield, how to use the sword, how to do defensive maneuvers, and how to lunge, and all of these things. And that's what we need to kind of like master the word in our lives, so that we can use it to build into the lives of others. Are you with me? My, one of my previous pastors was uh, really good at this, and he started a whole cell group uh, system. And one day he got to church and he said, Who are you? He says, Now I belong to that cell group and they've just baptized me. I said, No, because now they're at the celebration service. So he had taught his cell group leaders and his cell groups how to lead others to Christ and what to do with them. It wasn't all his job to do that. And so, as soldiers, we will engage in warfare. The day you became a Christian, you changed sides. 
you were in the devil's territory. Now you're in the kingdom of God. And there is a battle on because the devil doesn't want to let go of your soul. God's got you. He's got you in his hand. And he's not going to let go. But the devil doesn't want you to think that. So there'll be a constant battle in your mind. There'll be a constant battle out there um, uh, resisting you um, and, um, and, and, and uh, the will of God and so on. And says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him. And so we live a life that is pleasing to the one that has called us, enlisted us into the kingdom. And, you know, as I get older, I need to read this more and more, because I seek more and more comfort. I'm look for an easier life, you know. And the thing is, the battle doesn't stop. You know, as a Christian, the day that it stops is the day that you go to heaven. But it, there's no respite in this battle. Now, having been in the army, you'd be in battle for a certain amount of time, you'd come out, rest up, and you'd go back. So there's that respite, but the battle never stops in the spiritual realm. Are you with me on this? And so it's important for you to realize that. Uh, because when we have understanding on these things, it makes it easier for us. When we understand that there is a battle and I must fight, then it's easier for us to persevere in that. But when it's like always catching you, um, you know, unexpectedly, then it's more difficult for us to continue with, uh, or to be satisfied with that. We're always like, man, what's going on here? Why is this happening? You know, well, Jesus has told us in the scriptures that there will be a battle. Are you with me? And that we need to live as soldiers, soldiers of the cross. And this is also, and also if anyone competes, as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, Paul liked to use these um, sort of like analogies, um, especially of, of, um, um, of things like athletics and, and that kind of a thing. And, um, and the, the games that he was talking about was the Ismonian games. Um, that were kind of like, uh, sort of like the, like the Olympic uh, games that they also had in those times. But the thing about um, these games was, the only way that you could compete as an athlete in these games, if you were a citizen of that country, you couldn't compete if you weren't a citizen. So that kind of like tells us, if you're not born again, try not to engage in a spiritual battle because you're going to come short. Because you don't have the resources. You don't have the trainer. You don't have the things that you need because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, right? 
So we have all these things. And so you had to be born a citizen. And then it becomes like a choice to practice and to run. Have you ever met people that are, are, are really wanting to win in athletics? They train and they train and they train for that day when they can hold that little cup or that big cup or just get that certificate. But they train. What about the guys who do the... Um, um, Peter Marisburg, was it? No, the comrades. Man, it's just a little medal. Like this. That's what they run for. But they train months ahead of time. You know? And eventually they get there. And boy, are they happy even to get that bronze. And some people are just happy to finish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but the thing is, it takes discipline, it takes training. If we want to win the prize. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Train. How do you train? Well, like Lucas mentioned earlier. Read the scriptures, memorize the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures. Pray. Uh, when, it be when times become difficult, be found on your knees. And so on. And that's the kind of like the things that we do. And in this training, for the really top athletes, they have someone to coach them. And they teach them the different techniques. They watch them when they run. And if the arm movement is not right, if the stride is not right, they will correct them until they have it down pat. Even in the starting blocks, they will watch them to see that they do it 100% so they can get maximum power and maximum thrust and maximum speed when they push, push off because that will give them the advantage. And so, coach can be someone that's discipling you. It can be here from the pulpit. It doesn't matter. But be a teachable Remember, fat, faithful, available, teachable. Be a teachable athlete in the kingdom of God so that uh, you can make an impact. And then, of course, when all of these things are done, you must compete. <laughs> you must come to a place where you are ready for the race. Do you know what I mean? And one of the key things about the race for every top athlete is that he must absolutely focus to win. There must be no distractions in the sense of hindering his, um, his winning that race. Because if you lose focus... At the, at the beginning of the race or, or during the race, you could lose. You know? So the thing is, we need to learn to remain focused. And so, we need to be good athletes in the kingdom of God. The third area, um, or the fourth area, 
uh, is the hard-working ma- farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Now, fortunately, I've been a farmer as well. <laughs> and I have friends that are farmers. And it's not easy to be a good farmer. I mean, we were cattle farmers, but you must know your breed. And you must know all the things that can affect your animals. The different diseases in the area that can kill your animals. You need to inoculate them at the right time. Sometimes you need to deworm them. Um, you, um, um, and so on. But you get other people that grow crops and that's really, really complicated. I talked to a friend of mine, um, uh, Nico Fenter, often and he shares with me what it takes to be a successful farmer. Sometimes in, 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 in the planting season, he's up early and gets to bed very late at night because they're planting. In the times of harvest, same thing. All day until night. You have to wait to the right time. It's like recognizing the needs of your crop. It means weeding, preparing the way. There's so much to farming. And if we just think about it, um, we need to uh, be successful. And in Galatians uh, 6, 7, it says, it uh, talks about the law. Uh, what a man sows is what a man will reap. And when you think about if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap to the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. Amen. I mean, one of the things that I took comfort in as a kid uh, was TV. I love TV. Amen. I don't like all the soaps and stuff, but there are certain programs that I do like. And certain movies and stuff. Um, And boy, it's a battle for me. Um, But when you do that, too often and you don't control it in any way, it's reaping, it's sowing to the flesh. And what does TV do if you watch it too often? It's a form of escapism. It's a form of fantasy. You put yourself in that world. And what does it do eventually? It dulls your mind spiritually. That's what it does. It dulls your mind. It fills your mind with things that are not edifying and that are not upbuilding. You know, sometimes you kind of like sense I need to go and spend time with the Lord and boy, my favorite TV programs. <laughs> what do you do? Many times, TV. It's so engaging, isn't it? You know? <laughs> and I walk into many pastors' homes. Their little kids are sitting in front of the TV watching anything for hours. They just sit there. And then you come and visit and don't even switch off the TV. You know? Kids are just sitting there. I've walked in so many homes. You know? So if someone comes to visit, for goodness sake, switch off the TV. So you can talk to one another. If the TV is on, I get distracted. And I find it hard to have a conversation. Are you with me? So... 
when we think of uh, um, of farming, you have the law of likeness. If you sow wheat, you're going to get what? You're going to get corn. No, you're going to get wheat. So you must understand, what I sow is what I'm going to reap in my life. And so that's really important for us to think about. Uh, the, maybe you'll call it the law of largeness. The more you sow, the more you will reap. Amen. So the more you dig into the Word of God, the more you're going to reap from the Word of God. You know, if you plant a little scratch patch, that's what you're going to get. Is a little handful of millies at the end of the day. But you ask someone like Fonseil how many acres of oranges they have, there's plenty. You know, there's plenty for us at home and there's plenty to export. Because they've learned the secret of largeness. The more we sow, the more we reap. And that is so true spiritually in our lives. And the law of lateness as a farmer. When you sow your seed, it doesn't spring up immediately. It takes time. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you build into someone's life or you're doing ministry somewhere. It takes time. Time for it to grow. It doesn't just happen automatically. You know, and so often we get impatient with ourselves. But Jesus uh, spoke about that, uh, uh, about the farmer that sowed the seed and then he went to sleep. And then something happened and the seed just started to grow. It's something that he sowed the seed and he, and he left the seed. And he did what was necessary, but the seed would grow by itself. You can't help the seed. And I've seen so many, I worked with a guy that, that always pressed the fruit ripe. And I look back on his ministry today and it's a disaster. Because he tried to make something happen that was not according to the natural law of God. Even in, in ministry. So you have the law of lateness. That what you sow now, it will in the future be seed that will grow into whatever it is that you've planted. And then of course you have the law of reaping and that there will be a reaping of whatever you sow. So that will be personally in your life and that will be in your family, um, in the ministry, in your workplace, whatever. But you need to have the patience to receive uh, what God has for you. Um, I think I'll stop there. Uh, um, maybe one other time in the future. If I have opportunity to go through these things again, then I will finish. Uh, but it's um, to be a workman, uh, to be a bond slave, and to be a vessel. And I'd really like to explain that in more detail, but I don't want to take too much time. So let's end there and remember, be a good son.
or daughter in the kingdom. Uh, be a good soldier. <laughs> and be a good athlete and a good farmer. Because it will carry the blessing of God, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the Apostle Paul that you called and that he gave us such wonderful instruction through the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to grow and to really realize what we have in you, even according to our different gifts and abilities. But Lord, you see more in us than we often see in ourselves. So help us, Lord, to, to be on par with you, the great farmer, the great soldier, and the great athlete, Lord. That you might train us and coach us and help us to live a very fruitful life, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.